Welcome to the Seth Farbman on podcast from startup to stock exchange. Good afternoon and uh, welcome to the next uh, podcast. I am extremely, extremely excited to have today um, really two veterans, each in their own industry, and they've come together what I think is a pretty cool company by the name of Jingles. So on, uh, on this episode, I'd like to welcome Aaron Itzkowitz, who is the CEO, and Bill Lixon, who is the COO of Jingles. Gentlemen, welcome to uh, VStock World Headquarters. Thank you very much, Thank Seth. you, Seth. Terrific. So um, I'm excited to sort of tell the story with you, and I think a lot of the uh, people listening in our audience will really appreciate sort of the journey that uh, it's taken to get you to this point, and more importantly, the journey that you have uh, ahead of you. Um, the first place that I usually like to start is, um, you know, I don't know if I, if I ever told this to you guys, you know, I had a company called Vintage Filings, and people always talk about the amount of energy that they put into choosing a name. And in my case, it, it wasn't anything uh, as exotic as, as there was a bottle of vintage seltzer on the table, so we called it Vintage Filings. I have to ask, even before you tell the audience what it is that you do, how did you get to the name Jingles? Uh, this is Aaron. The way we did that, Seth, was it was actually interesting. Uh, it was Super Bowl Sunday, and every person probably across the globe engages in advertising in the, in the TV commercials on Super Bowl Sunday. You know, advertisers spend millions and millions of dollars to create, you know, engaging advertising. So we came up with the idea that people were, you know, engaging in advertising and they weren't being – um, they, they they weren't they weren't being you know they weren't validating it they weren't uh, being rewarded for engaging in the advertising plus there was no measurement to to uh, see know if the people were really engaging in the advertising so uh, we were throwing out the idea and everything and then when we said okay we we have an idea for a company what are we going to call it well we we thought back to the 1950s when TV commercials first started and you know, it, what caught all the people's ideas was a jingle, you know, a little, a little song like, you know, Alka-Seltzer, Plop, Plop, Fizz, Fizz, and all those other ones. You know, so you know, you're, you know, you're dating jingles. yourself, by the way, right? You know that. I, I am, I am dating myself. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I'm sure there are other, there are other jingles too, you know, but anyway, uh, we decided that, you know, that was an interesting name. It had a little techie. We have a Z at the end mm-hmm. instead of the S and uh, so that's how we came up with the name. Very cool. Now, you had indicated that, um, you know, really this is a tool, and I would like you to elaborate this, um, specifically with like a, a hybrid of um, technology, um, marketing, the mobile space, all of which unto themselves are hot, hot industries, and you somehow um, try to combine them all together. So, you know, when I think of marketing, you know, I think of the uh, sort of glorified uh, advertising show, you know, Mad Men. Um, and then when you think of technology on top of that, it's the best of both worlds. So if you could take a second and sort of give us a, an overview of what it is that you do um, and, uh, and sort of the technology behind it. Yeah, I'd be happy to, to take a swing at that one. Um, not unlike Mad Men, our job is to connect audiences to advertisers, and uh, we do that in a targeted fashion. Uh, we use television, and, and Mad Men towards the latter part uh, started a television department. Uh, the difference, as you pointed out, is we're using proprietary technology to connect 
these videos through mobile devices directly to target markets and do that in a way that's verified uh, with our pr proprietary technology that uh, makes sure that the person is actually watching and completing the video. And um, then they're rewarded for that participation. And that's, that's sort of an overview. Uh, uh, our IP also includes emotion detection so that based upon facial gestures, um, we, uh, the technology knows at a certain point in time during the video uh, whether somebody is moving their face in a way that indicates that they're happy or they're uh, not happy with that particular uh, ad. Um, and uh, so what we're doing is we're delivering verified video views to audiences, which solves a major problem in the advertising industry. So we, we think we've built a better mousetrap uh, for the mobile video advertising network. So I want to I want to interrupt you right there. I think you 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 honed in on something that I think is critical for any entrepreneur, any startup, or even any successful company. You know, it, and I'm sure you guys have seen this over the years. Whenever somebody comes up with a great idea, um, for me, the telltale sign that they're onto something is if they're solving a pain point. Um, if somebody just comes up and says, oh, it would be nice if that, or it would be great if that, you know, maybe those ideas will take off. Maybe they won't. But if somebody can say, hey, this is a problem within any given industry, and I'm going to figure out how to plug up that hole, that, that pain point solution is usually an indication that, that there's real upside here. So what, what's the – and I think you touched on it, but what's the pain point that you saw within the advertising or the mobile ad industry – that, that led you down this path? Well, just as an example, AdAge reports that 46% of video ads are never viewed. And Facebook video plays uh, with, with no sound 85% of the time. So if, you, if you're presenting a video with audio um, and somebody doesn't listen to it, then they're only getting part of the message. And, and the reality is... Uh, most videos viewed are not completed. And so that's really the pain point in the market. Video is the hottest thing in digital advertising. That's the good news. A lot of the video that's bought is either never viewed, not completed, or it's not a verified view, which our technology allows. We use the front-facing camera, our proprietary technology, so that when somebody looks away, the video pauses and they get a message to, to look at the device. Uh, if they lower the sound, they get a message to, to raise the volume up. So we know that a person that's been targeted engages directly with the advertising. And uh, in exchange for that participation, we've got a reward system so that uh, they are entered into a contest. They can use this uh, tokenization that we've created uh, to uh, exchange those tokens for prizes uh, and, and offerings that our advertisers make. So our uh, SDK, or a platform, allows publishers to use this verified view technology, which is a premium product, 
to monetize their apps and also allow their users to participate in a reward system. So, so you, you, um, you've really yeah, taken you, this, about, this, this whole um, concern that, the, that in today's day and age, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, I mean, if I think about it, although people are spending tens of millions of dollars, as you had mentioned, on Super Bowl commercials, and, and again, I'm not an expert in the, uh, in the, in the marketing agency world, but um, from my limited knowledge, I guess they, they measure the success or, or, or how many people are in the audience are watching these, these commercials through the Nielsen ratings or, or things like that. But that's not accounting for when the guy gets up and goes into the other room to get uh, a slice of pizza. And so what you're saying, if I understand correctly, you're going to the extreme. Not only are you going to make sure that the guy you know, is still engaged and not going to the other room for a slice of pizza, but literally as he's holding his phone, if he looks the other way, you automatically know that that engagement has sort of been put on hold and, and wait for him to come back to continue. Is that, is that the way it works? It is, yes. And our platform runs on mobile uh, mobile app publishers. So, uh, and in that ecosystem, there are, only, there are over 5 million mobile app publishers, and that, and that uh, audience is growing, uh, which represents, uh, many, many millions of users and in a huge marketplace that grows in all market conditions. So um, our, our company will be very successful capturing a tiny, tiny fraction of the marketplace. Way less than 1% of the market yields uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. And uh, it, it's not about taking on Google or Facebook. They, they dominate the market. But crumbs in this growing marketplace are extremely significant. And, um, and, and I came from the buy side. I, I ran digital strategy at a very large uh, Omnicom agency. And so that's, that's my perspective as well. Um, the, the responsibility of advertising agencies is to make sure they get the most effective and efficient buys that deliver customers or leads for their advertisers. And so when Aaron and I connected a couple of years ago and I saw this technology, it, it really uh, struck a nerve with me uh, because I saw this as a significant tool not to replace everything, but to support a media buy and make the media buy overall much more efficient. I, I'm besides being blown away by the concept of the technology that you have, and it's not conceptual. I mean, it, it's it's up and running. But I think in terms of um, anybody that's out there that's running a business and they are looking to market their product, I think the key word, and you mentioned this at the beginning, is that it's measurable. I mean. Anybody who is engaged like this wants to know, in fact, who are they touching and, and how is it working, and that you can deliver um, measurable results um, with this technology, I think, is, uh, is, is fantastic. Um, I want to I steer away for a second from the, uh, the madman element, and you know, anybody who starts a business goes through this process of uh, proof of concept. Um, then development, and then launch, and then sales. Um, I would have to imagine 
And I can tell you from experience, you know, when I'd mentioned this before, similar on the facial recognition side with, uh, with e-signature, that technology companies seem to constantly um, suck money out of the business um, for further development and, and marketing and just in general. Um, technology companies are those that have the biggest upside, but I think that uh, require the, uh, the most intensive capital. So tell me about, I know you guys were on Start Engine, um, which is one of uh, the crowdfunding platforms out there that has really made a name for itself. Tell me about um, that experience and uh, the capital raising scenario. How did you find it? Uh, what are your thoughts there? To build the initial core technology, the engine, for proof of concept. And we ran a beta test for 15 months. We collected a lot of data. We limited it to 15,000 daily active users through our own mobile app for the purpose of testing. Once we did that, we raised money from an accredited investor network. We were raising $400,000 for additional expansion on the product for scalability. We actually oversold that round at $636,000. When we closed that round, a person came to us and recommended Start Engine. So I looked into it. And we decided that this was going to be a good path to raise raise money from both accredited and non-accredited investors with people buying as little as 100 shares and we're selling them at a dollar a share. And that was an interesting experience. You have, to, you have to have a crowd. You need to be able to promote. You need to spend money on some marketing and social media. And it's always best to have some influencers as well to get the message out there. Start Engine also has their own internal list that they market to. But uh, the lion's share of the, of the funds that we raised, and we raised $875,000, and we were ranked number one in the country out of 165 uh, Title III regulation crowdfunding campaigns at the end of February, uh, is a lot of effort. So it, it's, it's sort of like a mini roadshow online, and you've got to put a lot of effort into it. But we were able to raise from the crowd. Uh, it. it, it we did not have to sell a lot, give up a lot of equity as well, and uh, we ran the campaign for 90 days. So, uh, so Aaron, we were just talking about on the Start Engine platform how it was uh, it was a 90-day period, and you had mentioned uh, how many shareholders did you guys accumulate in that uh, short period of time? Over 1,100. 1,100. Wow. And in terms of sort of uh, having that many shareholders, is that – do you view that as a good thing, or, or, or how do you guys perceive that? Well, one of our strategies, besides raising capital, was also making sure that we had the minimum requisite in the event or the path as we take our company to the public markets. So by getting that type of shareholder base early on allowed us to just get that requirement out of the way. Okay, and I'm not going to pass on the opportunity just to say that as a transfer agent, I'm kind of happy you have more than a thousand shareholders. Um, yeah, don't salivate let, too much. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let me ask you this: you know, when um, when we have companies, let's say for example, that are in biotech, a lot of the CEOs they're coming with you know whether it's a medical background or a tech background. Um, tell me a little bit about sort of how you came to this point because it sounds like you have. Um, a strong comfort level, whether it's with capital markets or the financial community. What, where are you coming from that, uh, that led you to this position? One of my previous businesses that I was involved with was a Israeli technology company that was a digital literature distribution system at trade shows. So imagine, you know, walking around a typical conference and you have your shopping bags and you're filling with catalogs. Well, this system, which went back to 2001, 
stored all the PDFs and brochures digitally on a server at the trade show. And then instead of people uh, getting materials and throwing in the shopping bag, we created an on-demand system in the lobby where they selected the, the companies that were exhibiting at the show or the product categories that they were interested at a kiosk. And while they waited, we burned a custom CD, which weighed two ounces, that contained all the information, all the literature at the show. So we consolidated that system. And what it was really about, was really interesting about that, was about connecting exhibitors or companies to attendees, buyers. And I've always been, you know, I've always enjoyed the win-win value of any product and service. So when we, we started Jingles, it was about connecting advertisers to consumers and advertisers to publishers now with our various video network. And uh, sort of that, that experience helped me lead to this direction. Well, it sounds like a, a natural fit for you. And um, I can tell you that uh, I'm excited to see sort of what the next six to 12 months brings, both for you and for Jingles. Um, I think that uh, both investors and users alike have a lot to look forward to. And uh, thank you again for joining here today. Thank you, Seth. Much appreciated. Take care.